0: And praise team, Chris, thank you. This time, we will dismiss the children that have pre-registered for Children's Church. You can meet Amy and Pastor Nathan at the doors over to your right. So at this time, the children can be dismissed, those that have pre-registered for Children's Church. Now for those of us that remain, I want to ask you to take your Bibles and please open them to Micah chapter 6. This morning we'll be looking again at verse 8 with the last command that is found there. As you're turning there, I just want to pass along a word of thanksgiving. Uh, God has blessed Emma with another good week, especially in therapy. She's still continuing to show some movement that is just thrilling. Our physical and occupational therapists they're feeling her quad muscles start to activate. As well as she is initiating, is arching her back and moving some in her back. So we're very, very thankful. And also just thankful the Lord has protected us in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, she's not suffered. None of us have. So we're very, very gracious, uh, graciously thankful to God for that. Micah 6, eight. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Would you bow in prayer with me right now? Father, this morning, as I pray on behalf of Trinity, we are thankful, Lord, for your gracious love. We are thankful, Lord, for your promises We are thankful, Lord, that you never change. We are thankful that there is nothing on earth or in heaven that can separate us from your love given to us in Christ Jesus. We are thankful, Lord, that you sustain us. We are thankful, O God, that you provide for us. We are thankful, Father, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who comforts and convicts and who speaks and guides us. We are thankful this morning that you are never distant from us, but that you are always present. We are thankful, Father, that you have revealed yourself in your word and you speak to us, to guide us in how we should live and what you desire from us. So, Lord, give us ears this morning to hear you and incline our hearts that we might walk in a way that is wise and pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I know that I've shared with you before that my father was a civil engineer by trade. That means that he designed buildings, bridges, things like that. And I can remember as a little boy, way, way back in the 1970s, visiting his office and getting, on, getting in trouble for playing with the intercom system. And he had the coolest, he had an electric eraser that was just the coolest thing ever, I thought. But I always remembered, for some odd reason, a poster that hung in his office. Uh, In fact, I found a copy of it and and wanted to show it to you. I know it's hard to see, but on the right, this this construction crew has been working very hard on digging this hole. I mean, there's concrete barriers on the wall way down deep in it. There are cranes, hard hats, and then one of them realizes something. Stop digging. The plans were upside down. That'll hit you in a minute or or two. Dad knew as an engineer, plans have to be read correctly. The thing to be built as it needs to be built. The blueprints have to be correct and read rightly. Today, it's a sad thing when we don't stop for a moment to think about the blueprint for our lives. When we fail to stop and ponder, what path are we on? Are we walking according to the design of the Master? Where is our path leading us? Jack Kerouac, the famous American novelist in his book, On the Road, tells the story of a young man by the name of Dean Moriarty who's traveling with his friends. In their journeys, they meet an older man. As he finds out that this group is just traveling, this older man asks this question. Are you boys going to get somewhere or just going? It's a very appropriate question. You see, it's very easy for us in the midst of busyness, in the midst of life that picks up speed with each day, that we stop for a moment and ask ourselves, where are we going? Why are we on this path? The Bible uses the metaphor of walk to talk about life. It talks about our lifestyle. What's our walk like? What's our lifestyle like When we stop to ponder that, this should cause us to reflect on some very serious and deep questions. Who or what determines how you live your life? What determines the choices that you make? Do we just simply say, well, I'm just a a product of the DNA that's been woven within my genes? Do we fall back on tradition? Who or what sets your values? You see what we do flows out of what we value in life. And who has determined what is important in life? This passage calls for us to stop and to ask those questions. Because when we start talking about the course of life there are many answers that could be given As to what sets the direction of life. For some people, in fact, I would argue this is the predominant answer in our society. Your heart, they say, should set the course of your life. Follow your heart. Now the heart becomes the image of desire. In other words, follow your desires. Let your desires determine the path that you want to go down. Those who hold to this approach for determining values in the walk of life would say simply, Well, the heart wants what the heart wants. Go for it. But we need to pause and ask ourselves if the heart is a good map to use for our walk. The truth is that many things our hearts desire are not good for us. Truth be told, my heart desires ice cream for three meals a day and then the snack in between. It's not good though. I mean, it's good at the moment, but in the long run, no. See, what our hearts desire is not what is always the best or the wisest. That's because our, our hearts are, are miscalibrated, like a GPS that has lost its bearings. In fact, our heart is in many ways described by what is a condition, a rare condition called developmental topographical disorientation. That's where people get lost really easy. So you see that person in your family that gets lost in the grocery store? They're not lost, they're suffering from developmental topographical disorientation. Mary McLaurin describes this when she says in her book about this condition, people with DTD can't form a mental map or image of their surroundings. There's no internal compass. She said, for example, she was staying with some friends and decided as a favor to take their dog for a walk. She said after a few blocks, she realized she didn't know where she was. There was no mental image of how to get back to their friend's house. She said it was like she had been dropped in a foreign land and did not know where to go. I would argue that developmental topographical disorientation describes our hearts. They're lost. They'll lead us to places and then we'll say, how did we get here? How do we get out of here? The heart is not a steady guide. The scripture reminds us that the heart is deceitful among all things. We can't follow the heart as a guide to our walk. Now for others, the guide for the way we live life is not found inwardly, but it's found outwardly, specifically in the social media. We have seen in the last 10 years the rise of those that are recognized as social influencers. These are people that utilize their social media whether it's Instagram, YouTube or or Twitter to serve to influence others in a certain direction. This person may not be famous initially but they become famous and over time they build a following that looks to them for guidance in what to do, what not to do, what to wear, what not to wear and how to behave. For example one of the most predominant Media influencers today, social influencers, is Kylie Jenner. She has 171. million followers. Think about that. Almost 200 million people following her for guidance on what is and is not acceptable. She has paid up to $1 million for every sponsored Instagram post. Such is the power. media but we need to ask ourselves just because there's a group influencing us in a certain direction is that the way we should go you see the majority does not make right and we need to be cautious when we look to others to determine the course that we need to be on Because we may find ourselves in the same situation that the uh, group in a NCAA cross-country meet found themselves in. In fact, it was a championship held in Riverside, California. 128 contestants lined up to run a 10,000 meter cross-country course. And 123 of them took a wrong turn on the course. The others knew the way to go, and in fact, tried to signal to their competitors in an act of graciousness saying, Don't go that way, follow this way. But they refused to. Why? Because everybody else was running in the wrong direction. We need to be careful lest we let the crowd determine what we are to value. Our walk is to be determined by the Lord. That's why the last command in this verse telling us what the Lord requires is this. He requires us to walk humbly with our God. Now, don't overlook that preposition with. With means in the company of or beside of. It speaks of relationship. So in other words, our life, our values, the decisions we make are to be driven and dictated by our relationship with the Lord. He is to guide us. Jesus used the imagery of being yoked in the New Testament. When two animals were yoked together, they were connected by a large wooden beam so that they had to walk in the same direction. If two animals are yoked together and try to go in opposite directions, the end result will not be good. The imagery here is that we are yoked to God, seeking to walk with Him and to follow Him where He leads us. And in doing so, we are following in the footsteps of those that have preceded us like Enoch and Noah, like Miriam and Deborah, like Jeremiah and Job and Peter and Paul. Those who show us an example of what it means to walk, to live life in conformity with God's plan. often when we speak of God's plan, our minds automatically go to vocation. God, what are you calling me to do? What job are you calling me to do? And while that is a legitimate question, that is not at the forefront of what it means to walk with God. We have already seen what walking with God results in. Doing justice and loving kindness. These commands cannot be separated as if we can focus on one to the neglect of the other then what God requires of us is like a stool supported by three legs. And each of those three legs, doing justice, loving kindness, and walking with God are necessary. Because when I look at this command to do justice and to love kindness, I recognize I cannot do that on my own. Often my desire for justice will be self-centered. And my love for kindness will disintegrate into only loving those that are kind to me. So I need God to guide me in how to do this. If you'll allow me for just a moment to speak of grammar. Now please don't tune me out when I say grammar because you're thinking the last thing I want to hear pre- on a Sunday morning preacher is a lesson in Hebrew grammar. <sighs> but follow with me please. That verb, to walk hungry, that infinitive, to walk humbly, is a unique infinitive case. It points to the fact that the object helps the subject to do the verb. Now you're thinking, well, wait a minute, what's that? Follow with me. The subject is you, you and I. You and I are to walk humbly. We're the subject. The object is, or the indirect object is with God. So what that verb construction is, is that God, the object, is helping us, the subject, to walk with Him. Which means we're not on our own. It's not like God has saved us and said now you figure it out. No, to the contrary, God is walking with us. He is leading us. He is guiding us. He has not left us on our own to accomplish His will. The Apostle Paul put it like this in the book of Philippians. You'll see it up on the screen. He says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you're not working to earn your salvation. You're working it out. He's saying live the salvation that God has brought into your life to live it with fear and trembling, cautiously. For it is God. Now that word for means because. Why do we work out our, fear, our salvation with fear and trembling? Because God is working in us so that we will both will and work for His good pleasure. In other words, it is God working within us that allows us to accomplish His will. So sometimes the best thing we could do is get out of our, His way and to acknowledge we are powerless to do it. Lord, if you don't do this, I can't do it. Lord, I am dependent upon you. And the good news is, is that God is faithful. I would encourage you to read one of the church fathers by the name of Augustine. Now... His works have been translated. They are very readable. There are two that I would highly recommend. The first is called City of God. If you want a guide in how to live in the midst of a culture that is becoming increasingly pagan and antagonistic toward the faith, read City of God. And his other book is called Confessions. And it's just that. It's his autobiography. Augustine, he lived a... He lived quite a life. Talk about living in sin. Augustine would have been the poster child at that time. He would have been the guy trashing hotel rooms at a rock concert. And God radically saved him. In the book Confessions, he talks about this dependency upon God when he says... Look, you're here. That's God. God, you're here. Freeing us from unhappy wandering. In other words, God, you're here freeing us from following our hearts. Following the crowd from just wandering around. Lord, you're here setting us firmly on your track. Comforting us and saying, run the race. I'll carry you. I'll carry you clear to the end. And even at the end, I'll carry you. Such is the grace of God that does not abandon us, but carries us all the way through. To walk humbly with Him is to walk dependent. That's why that command is described by walking humbly. We know we are dependent upon God. We're aware of our limitations. We know our propendency to to sin. And that it's so easy for us to veer off the path. So we acknowledge, God, we need You. We acknowledge we don't always know the best course of action. But God, You do. The word that is used there for humbly is a very rare word. In fact, it's only used one other time in the Old Testament. There are other words that are used for humble, but this one is unique because it carries the idea of walking cautiously and carefully. When you combine that with the root idea of humbly, it means we are dependent upon God to walk cautiously and carefully in this life. Once again, the Apostle Paul echoed this meaning when he wrote in Ephesians 5, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So it means we are dependent upon the Lord to know how to walk carefully in this world that hits us with so many ideas and thoughts. We need God to guide us because it's a dangerous place. I came across this past week a picture that was making its round online. I think I found it in a news feed, and you'll see it up on the screen on the left. Now, I'm sorry I couldn't get this closer to you, but of course this is a set of leaves you may find in your backyard, just leaves that have fallen on the ground. And here's the scary thing to me. In that picture, there is a snake, a copperhead to be specific. Now, once again, I wish it was closer for you to see it, And as I was looking, though, thankfully, this next picture, they circle where it is. Because I looked and I looked, and I couldn't find it. But after it was pointed out to me, I could look at the picture on the left and find the snake. By the way, it's another reason just to let leaves lay where they are. If someone didn't point out where that snake is, I might not have found it. Such it is in a walk in this life. We need the Lord to show us how to walk. We need Him to give us wisdom. Remember I said this specific word for humbly is used only at one other time in the Old Testament. It's used in the Proverbs. Up on the screen you'll see Proverbs eleven two. 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble, remember those that are dependent upon God to walk carefully and cautiously in this world is wisdom wisdom is truth applied and wisdom comes from God it's not found within us to the contrary we are not wise upon upon ourselves we are wise because God reveals himself and gives us wisdom so the question becomes as God carries us and as he gives us wisdom to walk carefully to walk wisely in this world Are we listening to Him? The issue is not with God. The issue is, are we willing to listen and to seek His guidance with the decisions that we face every day? On March 17th of 1988, flight 410 of Avianca Airlines left the airport of Bogota, Colombia. Approximately five minutes into its flight, it crashed into the side of a mountain, killing everyone on board. When the cockpit recorders were found, the investigators were shocked to hear the last words spoken by the pilot. You see, the alarm sounded. It was a voice alarm that was crying out, pull up, pull up, pull up. And then the pilot's voice, pilot's voice was heard saying, shut up. And he silenced the alarm this day they do not know why he did that the warning was there but he chose not to heed it we need God to be our warning because if we follow our heart we will not go in God's direction you see when it comes to our enemies our inclination is to say make our enemies suffer make them pay make them hurt God says, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. When it comes to to lust, our hearts say, go, do, go, do. You deserve it. You desire it. There's no reason for you to stop. And God says, pursue purity. Pursue holiness. Because when we give in to the lust of our hearts, it only brings about destruction. So the question before us is, Will we walk with God humbly? And understand, we cannot walk with God apart from Jesus. The only way we can walk with God is Jesus. Jesus emphasizes time and time again in the Gospel of John that if we are to know the Father, we must know the Son. For we cannot know the Father without knowing the Son. No one comes to God. No one's going to walk with God without following Christ. So walking with God begins confessing Jesus as Lord and turning from our sins. And once we do that, our walk will be different. Because grace not only saves us, it transforms us, changes us. This past month I finished reading through Genesis. And I'm always amazed at the narrative of Jacob, the deceiver, the scoundrel. There's that moment where Jacob, before he comes face to face with his brother Esau, and Jacob is terrified that Esau is going to do him in. Jacob encounters an angel of God. There's some debate as if it is a theophany, if it's God in the flesh or just an angel. I'm not sure I could resolve that, but the point is this. Jacob begins wrestling with that angel. He says, I'm not going to let go till you bless me. And then the angel touches, the hip of Jacob touches, and the hip's dislocated. Now, in all of my years of sports, really the most serious injury I've had is dislocating my pinky twice, and even then I was like, take me, no you're not putting it back in place, take me to the ER, I want pain medication. I can't imagine having a hip dislocated. Don't you know that Jacob's walk was different? Physical walk was different after that moment. From then on, he never walked the same. In fact, Hebrews 11 describes him as leaning on his staff. You cannot encounter God and remain the same. Your walk will be different. Now, we're not giving the normal invitations, but that doesn't mean you cannot respond to the Lord this morning. So I want to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads with me. Now, quietly and reverently, I want to go back to the questions that I asked at the beginning. Take a moment and examine your heart before God. Who or what determines your values? What's the most important thing in your life? Now, Why is it the most important thing? What does the Lord say is the most important? Who's determining your walk? Are you walking humbly with God? Seeking Him? Seeking His will? Or are you going your own way? This morning I ask you to consider these questions. That the Lord calls us and enables us to walk with Him. And His way is life. Father, I am so thankful that you don't leave us on our own to figure this out. With the cacophony of sounds and voices that surround us, Lord, we need to hear you most of all. So please, oh God. Incline our hearts towards you. Move us. Move us so that we will seek you in every area of life. That you will be glorified in how we live. And in the decisions that we make. Grant it, Father, we pray. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.